Hello, everybody. This is Ari in the Air. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm stoked you're here. Hope you're doing well. We've got some really crazy times. As everyone knows, I know we're all in this together, and I know that there's a lot of suffering right now. There's a lot of ambiguity. There's a lot of unknown. There's a lot of fear. And so I think it's worthwhile to acknowledge those things before we get totally going today. It's been a while since I've done a monologue. I have been just absolutely cranking on these um, interviews for this podcast. I have interviewed some really amazing and super inspiring people. And the lessons that are coming out of these uh, podcast interviews are amazingly connected. They are so connected. And it is wonderful for me to see that because I feel like the truth is something that we can't actually totally put our fingers on and we can't totally know it. We can't name it. We can't totally get a hold of it and headlock it. And so our best bet is to point at it, say what it is not, point at it from as many different directions as we can and try to outline it. And so when I'm hearing similar messages from so many different people with varying backgrounds, varying worldviews, it makes me feel like we're getting somewhere. It makes me feel like we're outlining it and we're getting a hold of it. And so I think that today I want to talk about some stuff that might be holding us back in how we're thinking about all of this. I think we might be missing the point. We might be missing the point. Okay. There's one person in particular who I've been reading his book and listening to and uh, interacting with him in these uh, philosophy conferences online. His name is Zach Stein. He wrote a book called Education in a Time Between Worlds. It's quite prophetic. He re released the book a year and a half ago. And the reality even baked into the title there is that we are in a time between worlds. The old world is crumbling before our eyes. And when I say that, I mean we are beginning to see, and other people have been seeing this for quite some time, that the infrastructure, the systems that we have used for economy, for finance, for governance, to maintain our ecology, right? How we deal with the commons, how we deal with the climate, these systems that we have used for so long that have got us to where we are, are proving to be insufficient in meeting the needs of the future, in providing the answers, right? And this is also, uh, you know, I've talked about it as the meta-crisis, and the meta-crisis involves the economy, the governance, the finance, but also the culture, that the way we think of how we fit into our society is actually proving to be insufficient. And also 
that we have a meaning crisis in ourselves. There's so many people who are, and I mean, honestly, most of us are struggling to holistically create our identities, to place ourselves within the bigger picture, not only of our communities and our families and our nation, but our world, like a world-centric and even further, like a cosmocentric, like where are we actually placed and what is the meaning? And um, that is a part of the meta crisis that is all these things stacking, right? And the system that we had used for so long of religion that gave us this meaning we threw out with atheism. And I think there was some baby in there that we kind of needed. There was definitely some bathwater <laughs> that we definitely needed to dispose of. But um, it just goes to show we're kind of, there's a number of things that are, that we've used for so long that aren't working anymore. And it's scary as fuck, right? It's scary. If you're actually paying attention, like that is a pretty scary proposition that we are in not just a pandemic, which is a very complex, very complicated crisis of its own, but it's actually a crisis that stacks on top of at least five other systemic crises that are certainly, um, they have catastrophic potential if they all fall down, right? Or even a few of them, even one of them, even our medical system falling down, like you, the word catastrophe of uh, mass death is, is a real potential outcome of that. And, um, you know, in the climate change discussion for a long time, people have talked about existential risk, and things that could literally make the world uninhabitable for humans in the future. And I think one of the things I've been ruminating on lately is I've taken that in the past as the potential for us to not exist. And not existence is not really that scary in the abstract. Um, like, Mark Twain said that he didn't exist for thousands of years or billions of years and it didn't bother him at all. So uh, dying wouldn't disturb him much either. But there is actually a road to that uninhabitable earth that is catastrophic. And catastrophe, when I say that, I mean more like we actually sink down into a much lower level of complexity in how we live, like our food systems are less complex and don't work as well, and our quality of life drops significantly, and we have a huge dying of a big part of the human population because we can't quite sustain ourselves at the way, at the rate that we were. And... I think in general, humanity has already come up with all of the technology that would lead us to living in harmony with one another, with ourselves, with the earth, the permaculture, the organic farming, the, um, there's just, 
the technologies that we can potentially come up with that sequester carbon in our environment and mitigate our interactions as people and solve injustice are, these are all things that have been created. Um, I don't think that we have some kind of social technology or technological barrier that stops us from solving all of these problems, but maybe it's more of a meaning crisis where we're actually struggling to properly identify who we are and what we are and what our place is that stops us from really facing the, the problems, the existential problems in a way that is effective. And today I was watching this, um, this talk with this guy, Zach Stein, who for the record, I'm interviewing him on Saturday. He's the author of education in a time between worlds. I can't recommend the book more. It's incredible. And today he was talking about the concept of hyper objects and hyper objects is not something that he came up with. Um, a hyper object is something that is so complicated that it can't be understood essentially. Um, but it's also something that has exhausted the best scientific attempts to grasp it. So he gives an example of pre-modern man coming into contact with nature, which is this just incredibly vast, so complex thing. And man experiences it as ineffable. It is incomprehensible, but that's actually not a hyper object at that point. Because a hyper object actually is something that our best attempts with science, science can like elevate us in our understanding to get to a point that we actually understand how we can't understand something. And that is um, a like an example would be the world's economy, right? Like how complex and complicated the international economy actually is, is a hyper object. Like we can use all kinds of metrics, all kinds of science to understand various parts of it only to come to the conclusion and the realization that it's actually so complex, so complicated that we can't fully understand it. Another example of a hyper object would be global um, climate change, global, you know, yeah, climate change, where we have so many different scientists and so many different fields who can use the cutting edge technology and the cutting edge metrics to measure all these different things from ice caps to CO2 in the ocean and temperatures and blah, blah, blah. And we can actually, we have gotten ourselves with science to a point where we can realize that we actually can't understand this thing. And it is interesting because the virus, the pandemic, a virus, as Stein says, is not a hyper object. A virus is not a hyper object. A virus in a laboratory can be understood. We can understand its infection rate. We can understand its rate of uh, duplication and how quickly it mutates. We can't predict how it mutates exactly, but we can understand how quickly it does that and rates of infection and how dangerous it is and blah, 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 right? But a pandemic, a global response to this thing as a hyper object. We can't, uh, 
We cannot understand how all of these different factors from individual choices and sense-making and international governance from 300 countries is going to play out. That is a hyper-object. We cannot understand that. And, and Stein has this, has this quote that uh, I, I wrote down in his talk that I was listening to today, and I'll, I'll, I'll read it to you here. And he says, all the attempts... I guess I, I want to preface this first. I want to preface this. So a hyperobject, these things that are so complex, so complicated that we can't fully understand them, cannot be solved. They cannot be understood with the systems that we have been using for so long, right? The system of governance doesn't actually meet the needs of the problems that we're facing. The systems of economy is not currently meeting the needs of the problems that we're facing, right? Like the finance and all these different, all these different things. Like our medical system can't take a surge, right? That's just one small example. And the meta crisis is like all these very complex systems all stacking on top of each other that don't meet the needs of the problems of the future. Okay. Politics as usual is these old, antiquated, complicated systems that we have tried to use to mush these very complex hyper objects and like control them, shape them, deal with them, solve the problems that come with these hyper objects that we can't really understand, right? So Stein says, all the attempts to discuss this in terms of politics as usual, this being the pandemic, the uh, global metacrisis, all the attempts to discuss this in terms of politics as usual means you've been captured, means your mind has been captured, probably by social media. You're missing the point if you're distracted by the left-right division. You're missing the point if you're in the blame game or the media spectacle of politics as usual. This is something that I've been thinking a lot about lately. And in the face of coronavirus, I felt in myself some welling of courage to come on here and to talk about these complex, deep thoughts that are unpopular and um, esoteric to a bigger audience, right? To speak what I think. And I felt that courage somewhat as a response to the politics as usual. And one of the things that I had seen in politics as usual, and in particular politics as usual on social media and Facebook has essentially become politics as usual. When I say politics as usual, I mean the blame game, this like addiction to um, confrontation and this addiction to fighting with our opinions um, and also a weaponization of our opinions, meaning that our opinion of whether we hate Trump or not is a addiction to this like weaponization of our opinions. And 
it's really, really dangerous because it is like feeding some kind of some small part of our monkey brain that wants to like fight or be seen or like be heard or be important or feel useful. Like there's all these like underground, like unseen motivations for us to like have this bullshit back and forth nitpicky thing on Facebook or in politics as usual. Right. And as Stein says, you're missing the point. You are missing the point if you are distracted by left-right politics. You are missing the point if you are engaged in the blame game. If you are weaponizing your opinions. Facebook has been become politics as usual, and it is... You can guarantee that if you are in the blame game on social media that you are missing the point of the complexity of the hyper object on top of the hyper object, the complexity of the international global economy and finance and food supply and medical system that is stacked on top of the hyper object of our international global myriad response to this pandemic, right? Like the complexity of this thing is like, complex times complex times complex times complex right it's like ununderstandable from anyone there's not a single person who can actually understand the nuance of all of this right it doesn't fit into our heads and that's the wrong way of thinking it's the old way of thinking it's the black and white way of thinking it's the left and right way of thinking it's the me versus you way of thinking it's the me versus the environment way of thinking it's the scarcity way of thinking it's the fearful way of thinking. It is a way of thinking that we have been doing for so long. And it is the wrong way of thinking. It is a way of thinking that literally cannot solve the problems that we are facing. And the people, there are people still trying to use the old way of thinking to solve this new and unfathomable pro problem. And this is on myriad fronts, right? Like this is not just in the medical system or the economy or the finance or the blah, blah, blah. This is like at our own like individual meaning making system that like how I derive meaning in my life is going to have to change. How I identify is going to have to change if I want to think of it in the right way that actually serves us. It actually solves the problems, meets the needs of tomorrow's problems. And I mean, that just kind of cracks open the idea of tomorrow's problems and tomorrow's problems are unseen. They're unknowable, right? Like what the, you know, as Stein says, we are in a time between worlds right now. We are in this liminal state. The old way that we did things, it doesn't work. It's so obvious, right? Like, like we can't continue to suck all the gas out of the ground and we can't continue to burn it up and put it into the atmosphere. We've like scientists have kind of been banging that one on our heads for like a decade now. And unfortunately they've been basically, it's been bracketed into this political d discussion where uh, the politicization of climate science has basically said that the old 
institution of governance is the solution for this hyper object of global climate change, which is just, I think I just spent 20 minutes talking about how that doesn't work. (laughs) And so, and so (laughs) it's, it's something bigger. There's a better way to think about this. There's a better way to think about this. And Stein says that this is a design problem. We are all, the better way to think of it is that we are all in this collaboratively working on this design problem together. The design problem is how we are going to shape our systems so that they can meet the needs of the future, the future needs that we can't see, the future needs that we can't quite know, right? Like the future needs of the new world that hasn't yet emerged. And we ought to be working on this together, a coming up with a complex, self-organizing, emergent, integral meta-theory of how our future could be shaped in regards to absolute human potential as opposed to effectiveness of economy or all these different metrics that don't actually lead us to any kind of up-leveling of our experience, right? But he says that if we are to try to use the old world to fix this, then we will be left filling in with a number two pencil, a bubble on a multiple choice test that is likely just one of two options, picking a future that is bought by power and greed by people who we've never met, who have never heard our opinions on the matter, and who frankly don't give a fuck about us. So we can either work together to think about our situation in a new way, think about ourselves in a new way, to find a new way to understand our place in humanity and our role, our responsibility, our identity inside of this, or we basically are expected to be so fucking dumbed down as people that our choice in the future is filling in a fucking bubble on a multiple choice test that chooses between two futures that are bought and sold by greed and power and by people who we've never met, who don't give a shit. No, this is definitely not a PG rated podcast. This is an explicit rated podcast. I say fuck all the time because these are big topics, folks, big topics here. So I don't know, I guess I'll just leave you with a couple things here. A couple of ideas, right? One is this idea that we are in together. We are in this complex problem-solving design issue together. We are not 
in a multiple choice test of left and right. We are not in a, like, we need to get out of that. And that is a mental place that we put ourselves in, right? The reality that we can shape our world and our decisions and our communities and our relationships, like, that is the reality that we want to live in. That's what we have to live in. We, we need to become embodied in that. We can't just say it. We can't just say we like the earth and like, and then buy like, you know, all the shit that we buy that isn't good for the earth, right? We need to become embodied in that. And we need to reinvent our identity in how we fit into humanity, okay? As we come up with this new world, Literally, as we come up with a new world, right? We're in a time between worlds. Old world doesn't work. What is the new world going to be? As we work on this new world, I mentioned that I thought it should be a complex, self-organizing, emergent, integral meta-theory on how our future could be shaped in regards to absolute human potential. And there's a couple terms in there that I want to plant seeds in your mind so that you can start thinking about things in this way. And those terms are self-organizing. Self-organizing is like emergent, right? Emergent and self-organizing are almost uh, synonyms. They are things that just like kind of effervesce. They are just things that come out of collaboration and come out of um, working together, right? Integral and meta theory are two ideas that I really want to plant seeds in your head because one, they're like a huge level up in thinking. They're a huge level up in thinking. They are not this black and white, left or right, Democrat, Republican, me, you, us, them dynamic that we know is not working anymore. Integral and meta theory. Okay, so meta theory is essentially the idea that you wouldn't use one theory to describe anything. You wouldn't use the theory, Darwin's theory of evolution alone to try to explain human nature. You would use Darwin's theory, you would use psychologists, you would use spirituality, you would use the history of religion, you would use all these different, every possible theory that you know, you almost like get to cherry pick the good parts, the baby in each of it, so that you can point towards the truth that we know is ineffable, that is unnameable, that is un intangible. We can't headlock the truth and say, here it is, there it is, I got it, I got the truth right there. No, we have to point at it, we have to almost allude to it, we can outline it by saying what is it is not. And this is meta theory that we're going to use as many different ways to see the issue as possible so that we can actually understand it. This is, this is how you think like, this is the, just the way to think, man. It's like, like we know that Western medicine is incredible in its ability to solve triage and trauma, right? If your bone is sticking out of your leg because you crashed your mountain bike, like you don't want to rub some kind of herb on it and pray, 
right? Like you're going to need somebody to cut you open and take your bone and use like a saw and a drill and all kinds of shit that'll like put your fucking leg back together, right? And it's amazing in that, but it's also reductive in the sense that now we have kind of a pill for an ill culture that basically people come in fat and they're like, well, you could staple your stomach closed or you could completely change every single thing about your life so that you have a different way of thinking about yourself and, you know, psychology and therapy and all that stuff, right? Like that's kind of Western culture. And we're, we've all heard of holistic medicine and holistic medicine is a type of medicine that uses a meta theoretical and integral way of looking at your health that looks from all sides, that looks at your emotions, that looks at your relationships, that looks at what you eat, that looks at your lifestyle. It looks at the environment that you live in. It looks at Every single part of your life that you could possibly imagine is used to understand the problem and the solution, right? We are stuck right now in a left, right, Trump, Sanders, us, them, me, you dynamic that is literally suffocating us. We're going to die from it. We're killing the earth from it. We're killing each other from it. We still use war and force. We like the amount of coercion and violence that exists in the world to try to solve problems is just abhorrent. So an integral meta theory. So a meta theory that points from all these different theories that combines so much different stuff to understand something in a more holistic way. An integral is a term that I would encourage you to look up integral theory. This is American philosopher named Ken Wilbur, who will be on the podcast, God willing. Ken Wilbur came up with the integral theory and it was a way to map everything that humans know, how we develop, how we develop in our ideologies from egocentric to family, tribal, all this stuff, right? Our levels of development personally and ideologically, spiritually, all these things, all this integral, meta, this is the fucking new way, man. This is how we're going to have to think if we're going to think about solving these very complex hyper-object type problems that face us. If we're going to figure out how to solve climate change, we can't just say, okay, no more business. Now, everyone has to stop eating. Nope. Eating is done. Eating is too big of a uh, problem. Eating creates all kinds of waste and all kinds of uh, carbon emissions. So we are going to stop eating. Well, that is a little bit reductive way to think about the problems, right? We're going to need to think about our health, our relationships, our economies, our identities, so many different layers And it is so much more challenging, but it's also so much more rewarding to do this. It is not a cop-out. There is such this cop-out in the politics, as usual, that I'm talking about. There is this inability to be vulnerable with your own emotions. We have not had a 
politician who is willing to admit when they are wrong for God knows how long. Since fucking Lincoln, man. Someone who admits that they don't know what to do, that they're afraid, the reality of their own emotional state, the... the true understanding of how complex the problems that we're facing really are. There is a reality to the emotional vulnerability. This politics as usual, as we're talking about them, is like wearing a mask. It's like wearing a mask that tries to convince people that you actually know what the fuck is going on. When the reality of the situation is these incredibly complex, complicated, stacking, layered, hyper objects that we can't fully understand. We can't fully understand it. And there's like a humility that is necessary in to begin to think about things in a better way. There is a humility that is required to think about the world's problems and the possible solutions. There is a humility required in admitting that the, earl, that the old world is dead and the old world is not sufficient in solving our problems. It is not sufficient in meeting our needs for the future. And the needs and the problems of the future are unseeable and unknowable at this point. There is a deep humility that is required to come into a space where we are collaboratively working on a design of our future world and not sinking back to the politics as usual of this weaponized opinions and this constant back and forth me versus you bullshit on Facebook. There's a better way to think, folks. There's a better way to think. And I'm not telling you what that is, but I encourage you to, to dig deep into that because we're going to have to literally recreate how we feel about ourselves and where we place ourselves, how we derive a sense of identity in a cosmocentric future, how we place ourselves among the stars, literally. Ah, and yes, opportunity. Great point from Matt Cohn there. Our problems that are not being met by the old world are literally opportunities for us to evolve. And I had a deep DMT journey the other night. <laughs> we'll just throw this in as a, as a side note. A deep DMT journey that I just had this, this idea that just kept playing over and over and over in my head that was evolution, not reform, evolution, not reform, evolution, not reform. We cannot change the old systems. We have to evolve. We literally have to up level our own ability to live with each other, to live with ourselves, to accept all the parts of ourselves, to be better with our partners, to be better with our neighbors, to be tighter knit in community, to be able to be more resilient in our systems, in ourselves. This is a big fucking thing. <laughs> oh yes, Daniel, fucking click it, bro. 
This is the future. I invite you. I literally invite you into this space with me to be a co-collaborator of the new world because we are in a time between worlds and it is a beautiful, beautiful opportunity for us to evolve into the next iteration of humanity. And I think we have to free ourselves from the old politics as usual so that we can come into this collaborative design of our new world because i that's definitely where i want to live i fuck the old world man i'm done with that all right if you like this podcast you can find it anywhere that you get your podcast this is the airy in the air podcast share it subscribe i need some five-star reviews folks give me some five-star reviews especially on the itunes app if you could do that really help out also consider donating. That's paypal.me slash airy in the air. I'm working really hard to bring you uh, thoughtful content and interviews with amazing people. Tomorrow, have an interview with Rich Bartlett, who is a non-hierarchical business consultant and creator of amazing, amazing things. And I also have an interview with Terry Patton, who is a author of Integral Life Practices. Saturday, we interview Dr. Zach Stein. Look up these people. They've got some really great ways of thinking. I appreciate you tuning in today. I hope you guys stay healthy, stay sane, stay safe. Grow a garden. That's been my little project this spring. I am encouraging people to garden. I am encouraging people to build boxes so that we can feed each other. Food should be free because it grows out of the ground, dude. Let's replace all of our little decorative flowers with zucchini plants. How's that sound? Go plant your garden. We'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for tuning in. Love you. Peace. Thanks, Daniel. Thanks, Matt. Glad you guys stuck around. We'll see you on the next episode. All right. Later.